0: The scripture reading is taken from Luke chapter 19, verses 11 to 27, and this is in the Church Bible on page 1053, Luke 19, verses 11 to 27. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, ''We don't want this man to be our king.'' He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, ''Sir, Yomina has earned ten more.'' ''Well done, my good servant.'' his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit? so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest. Then he said to those standing by, Take his mina away from him, and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you, that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing... Even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me.
1: Thank you so much for reading, Guinea. Good morning. I didn't realize that... Um, The YP1s were with us this morning, but uh, yeah, that last verse doesn't seem very PG-13, does it? I hope we'll be able to make sense of this passage together. Uh, Let me pray as we start. (coughs) Father, we thank you so much uh, for your word. Uh, This passage contains some tricky verses. We pray that you'd help us to navigate them, uh, give us understanding, and help us to know how to apply um, this passage uh, rightly to our lives. We pray that your spirit would be at work in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. In the U.S., when, when someone receives the most votes in a presidential election, unless they, they're the incumbent, they become the, the president elect, right? So rather than becoming the president immediately, they have to wait a couple of months before uh, they're inaugurated and officially take office. So when Joe Biden won, Um, the presidential election, he had to wait before he could move into the White House. But not only was there a, a delay for Biden, there was also opposition. So some people unhappy with the results of the election stormed the U.S. Capitol. So there was a delay and there was opposition to Biden's taking office. In our passage today, Jesus shares a parable about a nobleman becoming a king. And in this parable, we read about a ruler who also experiences a delay and opposition. But just like Biden couldn't be stopped from entering the White House, so too this man will not be stopped from becoming king. Now it's pretty obvious who uh, the nobleman in the parable is meant to be, isn't it? It's, it's Jesus. Just as the nobleman became king, Jesus would also go on to become king. But while the nobleman became king in a distant country, Jesus would go on to become king in Jerusalem at his death, resurrection, and ascension. Now here's perhaps the most important similarity between Jesus and the nobleman in our parable. Just as time elapsed between the nobleman's appointment as king and his return to the land that he was going to rule, there's also a time gap between when Jesus becomes king and returns to rule his kingdom in its fullness. I say in its fullness because Jesus has already begun to rule and reign. However, his kingdom hasn't yet fully arrived. That will only happen in the future when he returns. Now, many of you know those truths. These are basic Christian truths. Why am I reminding you you of them this morning? Because our passage teaches us how to live before Jesus comes back. It teaches us how to live in the delay, in in the here and now. And friends, as we'll see, the stakes of how we live in this delay... They couldn't be higher. So how are we to live? Our first point is this. We are to live by engaging in the king's business. Have a look at me at verse 11. While they were listening to this, Jesus went on to tell them a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. Did you notice the delay uh, in those verses? So, firstly, Jesus says, Until I come back. Secondly, the reason we're given for Jesus sharing this parable, according to verse 11, is because the people around him, they think that the kingdom is going to come immediately, as soon as Jesus enters Jerusalem. But the, king, the kingdom is not going to come in the way they're expecting. There's going to be a delay before Jesus' kingship is fully, before it fully arrives his kingdom is fully consummated. Now what does Jesus want us to do? What does this king want us to do in an intervening period? He wants us to engage in business. That's that's the more literal translation of put this money to work. Now what does that mean? What does it mean to engage in business? Jesus isn't speaking about commercial enterprise. So he's not saying that you need to create your own tech startup or maybe invest in Berkshire Hathaway. You're free to do those those things, but that's not what he's talking about here. What did we learn last week about Jesus' mission? Have a look back at verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's Jesus' mission. And that's the business that I think Jesus wants us to engage in. He wants us to engage in seeking and saving the lost with him. So right at the end of Luke's gospel, in chapter 24, Jesus says to the disciples that repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached to all nations. That's seeking and saving the lost, isn't it? That's the king's business. And that's the business that he wants you and me to be involved in. Friends, are you engaging in the king's business of seeking and saving the lost? Did you know that he equips us for this? So in verse 13, we learn that the king gives a mina to each of his servants. So they don't produce the mina. Rather, they they receive the mina from the king. So, So Jesus equips us to engage in this business of saving people. We'll think a bit more about what the mina is in our next point. Now, why is it worth engaging in the king's business of seeking and saving the lost? Because the king will reward his faithful servants. That's our second point. Have a look with me at verse 15. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Why should we participate in the king's business? One day, Christians are going to have to give an account to God for how they've lived their lives. And a primary concern of God, of the king, is going, to, is going to be the extent to which we engaged in seeking and saving the lost. As a brief side note, um, I'd like to draw a, a distinction between this parable of the ten minas and the parable of the talents in Matthew's gospel. And I want to draw the distinction because they, you might think, oh, this is the same as that parable, so they have this, they make, they're making the same point. They're not. I think they're making slightly different points. But people often confuse these parable, so here's why I think they're, they're not the same. So in Matthew, the parable is about the servants using their gifts and talents. And we learn there that the king, the master, gives one, one servant five talents. To another, he gives two talents, and then to another, he gives one. But here in Luke, each servant gets one mina. So they're not given talents, but minas, and they're not given different amounts, but the same amount. Now, what is a mina? In your footnote, it says that a MENA is about three months' wages. I looked up the median salary in the UK, and it's just under 28,000 pounds. So a MENA is roughly 7,000 pounds in our context. So the first servant invests his MENA, and his investment um, earns him another 10 minas. So his 7,000 pounds is now worth 77,000 pounds. That's a whopping 1,000% increase on his investment. The second servant's 7,000 investment is now worth 42,000 pounds, an impressive 500% return. Folks, these are really impressive returns. They would make Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust delighted. How do you think the king feels? It's obvious, isn't it? He's overjoyed. These servants, dares what what he asked of them. They've been faithful. Now, how would you expect the king to reward these servants? Folks, let's be honest. If he were to give them a 10% cut of what they'd made, that would be a pretty good deal for them. The first servant would take home almost 8,000 pounds and the second about 4,000 pounds. Instead, as we'll see later on, the servants get to keep all the minas. So they get to keep 77,000 pounds and 42,000 pounds respectively. But not only that, the first servant is also given 10 cities to be in charge of and the second servant five cities. Do you see how lavishly the king rewards his servants? They go from managing a a portfolio with an initial value of 7,000 pounds to managing entire cities. The combined value of residential property in London is about 1.2 trillion pounds. Imagine going from from managing 7,000 pounds in your A.J. Bell app to managing a city worth a trillion pounds. Now, you might say, hey, not all cities are as big as London. Okay, let's suppose they're they're a tenth the size of London. That's still a 100 billion pounds each. Do you see what Luke wants us to learn about the king? He's astronomically generous, if you're faithful to Jesus now with the mina that you've been given, when he returns, he will reward you abundantly beyond what you can imagine. Friends, you will never be shortchanged for serving King Jesus. He will give you more than you could ever dream of. You see, this king loves to generously reward his faithful servants. Now, what is it the servants have been faithful with? The mina that they were given, right? Here's the thing, though. You and I, we don't have a literal mina. So, what does the mina mean? What does it mean outside of the parable? What does it mean to us? Here's what I think the mina represents. The gospel. So the mina multiplies exponentially when it's invested. It's a bit like how in the parable of the sower, where although there's there's a group of people who who reject the gospel, there's also a group that accepts it. And then it produces a crop. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. It's the gospel that produces colossal returns in the parable of the sower. And I think it's the gospel that produces the monumental returns in the parable of the minas. The mina is most likely the gospel. So here's a question for us. What are we doing with the gospel that's been entrusted to us? Are you engaging in business with it? Are we investing in it? And what does that even look like? Very briefly, here are three ways that I think you can engage in the King's gospel business. I'll give you an acronym to help you uh, remember them. So GPS, give, pray, share. Firstly, give. Friends, give financially to the church you're a part of. If it's this church, do that here. If it's another church, do that there. Why? Because the church is a local mission hub. If your church teaches and preaches the gospel, then give to it. And if it doesn't teach and preach the gospel, then don't give to it. It will be a waste of your money. And go to another church that does preach the gospel. Give also to missionaries who are spreading the gospel in in other parts of the country and other parts of the world. That's give. Secondly, pray. Pray for the local mission of the church. Pray for our missionaries. Pray for the Crichtons. Pray for the Millers. Pray for Waseem. Pray for David up up in Liverpool. Pray for those who teach and preach the gospel. And pray for, pray for your colleagues, pray for your neighbors. Pray that they'd all come to know Jesus. Pray. Thirdly, share. Seek to share the gospel with, with those whom God has put around you. Whether that's family members, friends, workmates. Seek to share the good news, the, the good news of Jesus, the gospel with them. I can tell you right now that it is by far the most loving thing that you could do for them. Those are just a few ideas um, for you uh, to consider. GPS, I'm sure you can think of a few more. Friends, so far we've, we've, we've um, we've thought about what it will look like for those who engage in the king's business of seeking and saving the lost. They will be richly rewarded. But what about those who, who claim to be his servants but are not faithful? Those who refuse to engage in the king's business. Have a look with me at verse 20. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here's your mina. I've kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take out what you didn't put in and you reap what you didn't sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words. You wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so, so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, Bring them here and kill them in front of me. What will happen to to those who refuse to engage in the king's business? They'll be judged. Our third point is the king will judge his rebellious subjects. Folks, the, the parable takes a sharp turn, doesn't it? One moment where we're hearing about the king's tremendous generosity. And the next we're hearing about his terrifying judgment. And if we're honest, this note of judgment, it it can make us a bit uneasy, can't it? You might say, hey, whatever happened to Jesus, meek and mild? Jesus is meek and mild. But he isn't that to everyone. Let me explain. You see, the Bible makes it extremely clear that there are only two ways to live either you're one of Jesus' faithful servants, or you're one of his rebellious subjects. In verse 14, we learn about the king's subjects who hate their ruler. They do not want him to be the monarch. They're chanting, not my king, not my king, not my king. Down with the crown. But rejecting this king is nothing like rejecting King Charles. This king, Jesus, he's God. When when you reject him, you're not merely rejecting a man. You're also rejecting God. You're rejecting the one who created you, who made you. He's causing you, he's causing your heart to to beat right now, enabling you to breathe in air. And you're also rejecting the one, who died on a cross. So that every sinner who trusts in Him could be forgiven all their sin, all their rebellion. So do you see the issue with rejecting Him? When you do that, you're saying no to the forgiveness and peace that He offers. And then... He will have to rightly judge you based on your catalog of sins, sins that you've committed both against him and against others. You see, because he's a just judge, he will not turn a blind eye to your sin. He's a good judge, and so he will follow through with justice. In this parable, we learn about someone who, who claims to be a servant of the king, but who's then shown to be an imposter. When the king asks him to, to give an account of what he'd done with the Mina, the servant goes, Here's your Mina. I kept it in a hanky. I didn't invest it because I was afraid of you. But as the king points out, that doesn't make sense. If, if this so-called servant really feared the king, and the king say, hey, you, you would have at least, you would have at the very least put the mina in the bank to have earned some interest. Folks, you know what inflation is like at the moment. You just keep your money on the side. It's not going to keep up with inflation. It's going to lose value. At least try to put it in the bank. And even if you put it in the bank, and you get a decent interest rate, it's still not going to keep up with inflation, right? And so the king's like, you could have at least put the money in the bank. That's the very least you could have done. But instead, this servant, he's just completely, just completely ignored what the king asked him to do. The, the truth is, this, this so called servant, he's really no servant at all. Not only did he did he refuse to obey the king by not engaging in the king's business. The command is very, very clear. Look again at the instruction if you if you if you if, you, if you're not sure. It is very, very clear. It couldn't be clearer. So he refuses, or he, he refuses to obey the king, and then he also lies to the king's face and makes excuses. For his behavior. So there's, there's zero kind of you know, taking responsibility for his behavior and putting his hands up. There's none of that. And there's no confessing of his sin against the king. And then, shockingly, he even has the nerve to claim that the king is a harsh crook. Taking what, he, what doesn't belong to him. And folks, here's what really struck me as I was reading this. He's saying that about the king, literally, after he has just witnessed the king's incredible generosity to the first two servants. Do you see the shock in this? Friends, this this third servant, he doesn't know the king. He just thinks he does. But he's not a true servant. He's not a true follower of Christ. So what does the king call him? The king calls him wicked. Now, friends, I know that today the word wicked means cool. This is not (laughs) what the king is saying to this third servant, okay? He's saying you're evil. He's calling the servant evil. And it appears that this servant ends up being judged in hell along with the rebellious subjects, those who outright refuse to honor Jesus as king. Now friends, I know that what I'm about to say might be a bit uncomfortable, but there's a warning here to people who claim to be Christians but don't actually serve Jesus by obeying him. If we we claim to be servants of King Jesus, but we ignore his commands just like the, the third servant did, then I think we're, we're in trouble. So early in Luke's gospel, uh, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and, and do not do what I say? You see, Jesus expects his servants, his followers to obey him. I want to add two clarifications. The first is this. I am not implying that you are saved by your works. Friends, we are saved by faith. But here's something I found really helpful um, that Vaughan Roberts, the minister of St. Ebbs Church in Oxford, said. Although we we are not saved by our works, neither are we saved without works. Although we are not saved by our works, neither are we saved without works. And friends, that is because where there is faith, works will follow. I mean, if you don't believe me, just look, look, look in the Bible. It is all over the place. That's the first clarification. The second clarification is this. I am not implying that Christians won't sometimes or even often fail to obey Jesus' commands. Brothers and sisters, we all still sin, don't we? And if if we think we don't, we're deceiving ourselves. The question is, Do we have the same attitude to sin as the third servant does? When it comes to sin, do we we just shrug off responsibility and, and even put the blame on Jesus? Or do we confess our sin to Jesus? Friends, it is one thing to try to obey the king and then fail. And quite another, to not even bother trying to obey. Are you like the third servant? If you are, then here's the good news. There is still time to repent. We're living in the delay, the king hasn't yet returned. So now, now is the time to turn to him in repentance and be met with his compassion, forgiveness, and grace. Similarly, if, if you're a rebellious subject, if you don't recognize Jesus as king, the offer of peace with him it's also available to you today. And I plead with you to submit to and serve this king while there's still time, before you have to meet him and it's too late. If you serve him, I promise you that he will reward you with far more than you deserve. He's generous like that. Just ask the first two servants. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for how it is a light unto our path. It shows us how to live, how to serve our great king. Father, we do pray that we would be those who want to engage in the king's business of seeking and saving the lost. Thank you that the king rewards his faithful servants so abundantly. And Father, if there are any here who are not yet trusting in this King, who are not yet serving Him, following Him, Father, we do pray that You would grant them faith and repentance and that they would want to faithfully serve Him. Father, we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, we're now going to sing.